that the several events of the past year changed the way you value people? Well, I guess you value, well, doing what I do, you value people, but there's a, a, a deeper meaning to the value you have going through all of this. If you took, now let's face it, we were in a social, economic, political, and health um, uh, crisis right now. And we look at all of them, and you can understand with empathy what everybody's going through. And although I always worked at home, so for me, the only thing that was different was my nights not going out and seeing my friends. But other than that, my life was pretty normal. Um, but the events are so profound in the fact that you can see how people so differently interpret everything that's going on in their individual lives and how it affects them. And in doing so, you grow in understanding of other people. Now you wish that that would be broadened that during this crisis that people would understand that. For instance, yeah, I might be comfortable with what I'm doing. I might be comfortable in my home and my income, but I also look at those that are marginalized, those that don't have any income. Um, and having been in the hospitality industry, uh, you definitely have a sweet spot for the restaurants, what they're going through. But you look at that single mother or you look at that, that, that very, um, I would say, marginalized, impoverished family that are just making it day to day. And you wanna reach out and you can look through life through their eyes. And a lot of times that's what we don't do. We don't look when we say, oh, people are depressed. Ah, oh, they're depressed, it's not that bad. It, yes, it is that bad for them. It is terribly bad for them. When you're not sure what's gonna happen. And when you have, children, you don't know how you're going to care for them. That is a tremendous pain, tremendous for it. And if you can't feel that for somebody, or for the elderly people, the elderly people who gave so much in their life to build this country, and now here they are in COVID in a nursing home, they're dying, they're, 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 they're at, let's face it, I mean, they were the, 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 the first ones that were dropping like flies, that were, that were dying from this. It, 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 I hate to say the word enriches, but it truly does. It opens your heart and your mind into other people's lives that you would after before like just be cursory. Like, yeah, I know some people need help and yeah, I know this and yeah, I know that. But when you see it in such a devastating environment and social crisis, and especially the political crisis, to see people develop such hatred on both sides, when we've always been a 50-50 divide, but there was always that centrist feeling. People would respect what each other says. And now there isn't respect anymore. Instead, there's anger on those two extreme ends, which were always small. They weren't much of the makeup of our political system. And you can, and if you say to yourself, well, I don't understand why they're being violent. I don't understand why they're gonna crash the, the, the White House or why they're burning buildings. We don't understand a lot of times what their values are and why do they have those values? Why do they hang on to those values to make them so angry? Is it insecurity? Is it something they went through in their life that they're 
afraid to happen again? You know, um, are they just part of a group or a herd? And if so, were they insecure and that's what they need, that protection of that herd? So there's so many different elements to look at people's lives and who they are and what they are in order to understand them. And you wouldn't be able to look at that if something major didn't happen. All change comes after a major crisis. So we can sit back, analyze, evaluate, refix our values, and then move on. And I say for me, this has really been eye-opening in the fact of how many people at one time can be so hurt and so despondent and uh, like so unhappy with what's going on. But yet there's always that hope. And that's the one thing, as long as people can continue with hope instead of despair, you can always get out of it. And that's what you pray for. You sit there and you watch television and you watch the news. And I try to say to people, don't get angry with what you see in the news. You can't change what you see all over the world. You can never change it. That all you can do is change the world around you to the people that you touch and that you affect. And you hope that they learn from that and they go out and they do the same thing once they feel better or feel healed. Um, and for everything else that's happening in the world, you know, that's where you look for divine guidance and prayer. Uh, and that's the best you can do to effectuate a situation. Um, it's, but it affects me a, a lot. And especially in the ministry, let me tell you, it really hits you home. Um, when you have the duty that you feel that you should do for other people. And you can't. There is no way to help everybody. It's an impossible task. And some days, I, I will admit, there, there were days when you're doing your daily prayer that you feel really solemn, you're feeling really down, but at the end, you just give that up and say, I can't fix it, you can, the most I can do is ask you. And you get up and you know something, every time you hook that one person, when you open the door, let somebody out from the street that's been waiting 30 cars. <laughs> And you see them sitting there, right? And you go, I'm going to make their day. And you just stop and you let them out. And you don't realize that one little thing could make someone's day, put them in a happy mode. And um, those are the little things you start to boil up inside of you, the little acts of kindness. Uh, there isn't enough of kindness around. And in some ways, when we're in a crisis, some people pull together, like neighbors. You see them pulling together and helping each other. And you see that in a kindness, but you don't see that globally. Um, it's like crisis management. When you're managing a company and you're in crisis, you're inside the circle instead of the manager out here. You become inside the circle and you become oblivious to your duties to the greater good because you're right there on you know, boots on the ground trying to help out. So you always hope that like after 9-11, we came together. It was like a portal of goodness that opened after something terrible happened. This portal of goodness just came. Now, yeah, 2,000 people lost their lives, but look what happened afterwards, the solidarity, the unity, 
the, the validity of purpose, and I hope coming from here that we do the same thing. And that's how it's kind of affected me in trying to keep the balance that we will get to the end. We won't be defeated. Not sure how many will be standing at the end, but we will get through it. And hopefully our values, our morals, our kindness, our compassion for other people, uh, our considerations, our being tender-hearted will survive. I have like five follow-up questions to everything you just said that are not even on our list. <laughs> uh, give me anything. Well, Brian knows I, I can talk a hour. <laughs> yeah. like, you know? Well, uh, it doesn't take so, me long. Yeah. Because <laughs> some of the things you said, so you were talking about, you know, you mentioned like crisis management and being part of, I mean, you are part of a community you know, with your church. Yep. Um, so have you seen more, have you had people come to you with more raw emotion than you typically had in the past? Um, that, and is it more difficult for you to manage that? Like, is it, is it, a, is it different? Is it more intense than it ever had been before? Yeah, um, people are more willing to discuss their emotions, which a lot of times they hide them. Uh, and when they approach you, they might try and be really upbeat and nice, but you will find, and you, you kind of take that on yourself. When the person comes to you in despair or upset, or there's a family uh, problem going on because you know there's no money and this and the arguments and the abuse and now you're trying to help them in a way uh, to curb that and especially on the female side a lot a lot of times she's the one who's taking the brunt of it uh, and trying to guide them and get them through it uh, that's a pretty heavy thing and it gets you because when someone leaves um, you after you've done talking to them whether it be on the telephone or on zoom or like whatever or even in person you carry that with you and it stays in your mind for the rest of, rest of the day, sometimes for, for the rest of the weeks, because um, you're mulling it over and you're kind of taking that negative energy, yet you're trying to give them the positive energy of being able to make it through. Uh, you'll find more people are looking for blessings uh, in prayer. That's a big one, because uh, that's hope. And it's, it's interesting, even biblically, the Jewish people would always turn away from God until everything got disastrous. <laughs> and they either got enslaved or they were, they were taken over by, you know, another country and stuff like that by the Syrians or the Babylonians or the Egyptians, like whatever. And then they would cry out to God to help them and they would get saved and they would get the help. But then once they got the help and everything was fine, they would forget about it again. And for the longest time, people were truly forgetting about, because let's face it, our lives are going pretty well for the most part. Um, you might have a, a little bump here and there in your employment or like whatever, but we're a pretty affluent society. 
People were going out to dinner two or three times a week. Everything was fine. We were drinking, hooping and hollering. There isn't much space for God in your life when you're having all that fun. But now when you get to the brass tacks, as you said, that rawness, that time of desolation and in despair and darkness, you look for that light. You look for something to give you hope. And I, I try and sometimes coach people because they'll first like to go into some of the other esoteric things at times. You know, they'll buy crystals and make them feel better. You know, I'm going to go buy a crystal. I'm going to put it in my living room. And all of a sudden, I'm going to, you know, the vibrations are going to make me feel better. Or who goes into more of the more natural, you know, Wiccan and this and that and natural stuff, and I'm going to become spiritual. There's a difference between that spirituality, which isn't grounded, and going to what you know is your creator. And as I say to people, why, why are you settling for second best? If you want to come for help, and you want something. If God made the crystals and all this other stuff, and yeah, crystals have a vibration to them. Every particular thing in this world has atomic vibration to it. And will it affect the surrounding around you? Yeah, probably somewhat. But put your faith in a crystal or put your faith in the one that made the crystal. <laughs> Which one makes sense? You know, why go down the rung when you can go right to the top and it's free? I tell people, you don't have to buy it. It's absolutely free to come or pray or ask, ask for help. Um, but it does affect you. And it affects you quite horribly when you, when you watch what goes on. Um, and you hear the problems that the people uh, have, the struggles that they're having, struggles within themselves, their own values, their own worth, where they are in life, where they were going and now evaporated. That's it. You know, my life, I was just about ready to do this and now everything's gone. I don't know what to do. I put all my money in my business and now I don't have it. Um, so now it's, it's quite an interesting place to be. You take a lot of negativity, but giving off that positivity to them kind of negates that makes you feel good. As I said before, when you give kindness, you always feel better. When you give compassion, you feel better. When you are generous to somebody or you did something nice to somebody, you come home and what's the first thing you want to do? It's, oh, you know what? Today I did this and the guy was on the side of the road and he had a flat tire and I helped him. Oh, God, I feel great. It's that feeling. You know, hoping you made a difference in their life. I feel kind of like. <laughs> well, Nelly said she had five questions, so we just sit back and. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, I think you answered. I think you answered. No, not really five. I think you answered the other question I was going to ask, which was like, which was what helps you deal with um, the heaviness of what you hear. Which it sounds like um, your you you helping and your generosity and your compassion and your um and the blessings that you give when you when you when you take on that heaviness and people's um you know the severity of people's issues when you can really sit and think about what you're doing for them it sounds like that is kind of your self-care uh that's part of it and also what you realize is that um 
being in the ministry, what you are giving isn't yours. Now, what you are giving is you are representing and you are giving off your God, your Lord, and there's your strength. Your strength is coming back afterwards and say, I hope I represented you properly. I hope I did the right thing. I hope I said the right thing. Um, even on a Sunday mass, uh, I will sit there and every gospel has four or five, six different points of view. Because you know, the gospel has four or five different people in it. And you could take each one of those people in that gospel story, that parable, and you could form the entire story of that gospel from their point of view, from the point of the master, from the point of the servant, from the, right? So it's that same thing is, is, you know, it's that understanding, but you go back and what you, I say is on Sunday morning is I have all these things I could talk about today. Which one should I say? And I'll be absolutely honest with you. I might spend a couple of hours writing a homily. <laughs> I put it down in front of me. 99 and 4,400% of the time, that's not what comes out. <laughs> okay? It just doesn't. Oh, you might start the first few lines, and then all of a sudden, it's like you get taken over, and what was just read uh, in the first two readings, and then the gospel when you read it, all of a sudden, something clicks, and it just flows. Um, so that's what I'm trying to get you to grasp, that it's not you that's coming through. Because when someone comes to me with a difficult situation, my first thing is like, oh, please. You know, in my mind, I'm saying, oh, please. Please give me the answer to this. You know, let me help them. Um, I don't know how capable I am of answering this, but, and then all of a sudden, you say what you're supposed to say, and it just comes out and it works. Um, how many times have you uh, done a homily and people text you after saying, boy, did I need that? <laughs> did I know? No. <laughs> I didn't know. It just came out, you know? Um, so that guidance. You know, that guidance is in, you know, I don't know how religious you want to get in this, but that guidance from the Holy Spirit or from, you know, the Lord does come to you if you're honest and open to it. And that's where you get your strength. That's where you come back and say, you know, I hope I represented you well. I hope your love came through me to them. And that's where it negates. At that point, you just dispense it. But you still might think about it. Think about that poor person going home and still facing the situations that they're facing. Excellent. Is this more than what you were thinking about? <laughs> oh, I loved that answer. It's you do such great work. It's it's, it's so beautiful. That's why I say when, when the first question came, it is the most fulfilling thing that you, you could ever do. And it's not you. That's the point. It's unselfish, it's humble, it's that humility because it isn't you. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of it. You don't want to take any responsibility because it's not me. So I guess if it messes up, I got to call them and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. 